This is the third and final part of my interview with actor, writer, director Michael Garland. In this part of the interview, we talk about the difference between the pantomime dame and the role of the ugly sister from Cinderella, and we also talk about the role of the pantomime villain. Oh, as you speak, I think the first of my dame costumes has just arrived. Wow. Yeah, it's in a very small box, which is a bit worrying. <laughs> so, ugly, ugly sister. Ugly sister, yeah. Ugly sister. Heel. Ugly sisters have heel. Right. Dames um, tend not to, although I wear them, which is really annoying for people. Traditionally, they don't like that. But um, ugly sisters really have heel. And the more heels you wear, the better. Right. I was, yeah, I was reading uh, Paul Harris, of the, uh, who wrote the pantomime book. He was saying that uh, the ugly sisters wear heels and dames should wear flats. Yes, he's absolutely right. I do tend to wear heels as day. Right. But not as high as ugly sister. He's absolutely right on that. It's a basic tenor. <clears throat> they don't wear flats. They wear boots in actual fact. Um, ah. But uh, ugly sisters wear high heel shoes. Right. Ugly sisters wear high heels shoes. So you could, <coughs> you could feasibly then uh, perform Dame wearing Dr. Martin's? Oh, yes, a lot of them do. Right. I like a heel because it makes you walk differently. Right, There's of course. There's stagger in a heel. If you're wearing a heel, you walk differently than if you walk flat. Mm. And that gives you a slightly female edge. Does that make sense? So I always like, even if it's a, not, a, not a high heel, about a two-inch heel, in Dane, gives you that stagger. It gives you that strange walk particularly if you're elderly and you can't quite manage it. Yes. And you do that strange stagger and, and you walk across the stage with that strange walk, which in boots you won't do. Right. And right. so if you're bearing down on some poor burst of the audience and you're in heels, it's a different move Got than it. if you're in flat. Yes. And it's, it, it, it's also wigs are slightly different for... for I mean, the problem is, of course, that technically it's, it's extremely demanding to ask your artist to have different shoes, different costumes for Dane, for ugly sister, if you're expecting them to play both. And particularly since there is a strange tradition that Dane's ugly sisters provide their own costumes. Why would they do this? They expect it. If you're playing Avanada, you, you, you don't. Although I do now because I'm so used to it. But, right. but most people, you know, but if you play Dame or if you play, you know, you're expected to provide your own costume. You're not actually paid that much more. Yeah. So suddenly you're expected to pay, you know, for this extra water. So why would you suddenly say that if you're playing Sister, it's one set of costumes and if you're playing Dame, it's another? But they are, they do have to be subtly altered because there's a different feel. Yes. But, uh, sisters are wannabe fashion models. I see. Sisters are wannabe, they, they all want to be, sisters want to be Paris Hilton. Right. You know, Danes, Danes are all, all want to be, you know, Danes are all, all you know, um, slightly glamorous versions of, of, oh, I don't know, but their mothers, which yeah. sisters aren't. 
and there's a difference there. So would you would you say that this just pops into my head that uh, an ugly sister then is very similar to what uh, Joanna Lumley was doing as um, Patsy oh, in Ab Fab? Yes, that's an ugly sister. That's exactly right. In fact. Her and Patsy together were ugly sisters, you know. <laughs> they were perfect ugly sisters. Yes. You know, perfect ugly sisters. Absolutely. Right. I mean, the trick I always used to play as ugly sister, which was always a good time trick to play, remembering after all that I play Abenaza. Yes. Is the fact that I would never use the voice, the full voice, until I got to the words, tear it up. Yeah. And when we did the ticket tearing, I would do it twice as ugly sister. Tear it up. Tear it up. And suddenly go, and, and last it for hours. And then we go, Wow. Would you like and then I always used to get the other fish other sisters to look at me and go, Would you like a fisherman's friend? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because that's fabulous, isn't it? Yeah. And you use the full voice. And the whole theatre just goes, shit. Right. And you've got quite a... You you said you weren't quite a good singer, but I remember you having, like, a a certain amount of operatic range, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was an opera singer for Right, there you go. So you've got that... You've got that range to go through for that. Yeah. And so you make this enormous noise. It's all head resonance, after all. Yes. And, and you hit the head, the top top resonance in the headphones, and you really hit that in. And, of course, what you've got to remember is that you're making these noises, and you must be able to make them two shows a day, six weeks. <laughs> right, right, yes. Right? So yeah. whatever noise you choose to make has to be sustainable. I mean, that's the basic thing you do. You do it in rehearsals and you have to work out within your own framework whether this is consistent, whether you can make the noise all the time. Right. Um, and that's one of the things where non-pros or... Uh, this is a special thing to say, not non-pros. Some of the lesser pros get stuck on because they will make something that sounds fabulous in rehearsals and then they do four shows in and it's gone, of course. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and it never it never comes back, you know. And I I I did a song last year, and I hit a top G, a, hot, a top G, in it. And I was speaking to the MD about it, and I said, "Well, what do you think?" I said, "Is this is this feasible?" He said, "It sounds very much in your range." He said, "You don't seem to be scraping it." But she said, "I will work out a voice workout for you." And very sweetly, he worked out our voice workout for me. Yeah. And he, he and I did it every show before both two shows. Mm-hmm. So that he, he swore, he said, you will hit that note. And I did. And every show, you know, come when I got that number, top G, bang in. Great. You know. Yeah. And he said, no, it's great. He said, and you're doing all the shouting and you're screaming. Because, of course, it was combined with the Abenaza. So you're shouting and screaming and I'm going to rule the world and you're all going to die and, you know, you yes. don't do this, you know, sort of virtue. So 
when we actually put it all together, and I said, do you think we're going to be able to do that number? Because it's a bit odd um, going up quite that high. He said, no, 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 if we do this and this, and he taught me these exercises, and they were very good. I like them a lot. And um, it was fabulous. And he was a very good Andy. Alas, I don't know who we have this year. Right. And he's not he's not MDing anymore. He's he's gone back because he was a singer. And he just took a year off the singer to be an MD. Mm. He was a superb MD. Oh god he was good. Uh, and one of the things I love about him is the fact that I, I did three front clocks in Aladdin last year and they were completely improvised. We we had no script for them. Wow. And um, I guess you should drift, basically. <laughs> more or less the same. I mean, I'm not saying that after the same performances, they weren't, they didn't follow a very set pattern. Yeah. But they would shift depending upon how the audience were behaving. Mm-hmm. And he is just playing underneath. Constantly. And this is this is villain you're playing now. I was playing villain last year. Right. And you know, depending on the audience. And depending upon, you know, I just kind of get in the interval the, the fan has to say, can you work them up a bit? <laughs> okay, okay. You know, and, oh no, can you not work them up a bit? Can you get out quick? Okay. Right. You know, so I, I had three front cloths and they were entirely dependent upon how I played the audience so that if I thought the audience weren't going for it, I just used to zoom it through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know they go yes yes they're boring let's get on with but if you always were up for it we really used to work on right you know and 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 um, you know I could add or take five minutes off and and I was allowed to do this they said yes 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 you have permission to do this yeah and I had this lovely line was I looked ladies and gentlemen upon your sea of ghastly faces. And I think to myself, well, what's to like? <laughs> <laughs> it was all that nonsense, you know. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I guess used to insult them and see how far they went. Really. And, and just, if, if I got if I got it working, they would scream. I would have them screaming. Yeah. And so you 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 essentially then when you're doing. You've done panto for a number of years now, so you you pretty much alternate between dame and villain, right? I alternate between dame, except this year when I'm playing emperor, which is very interesting. That's right. And then I saw you a few years, well, a number of years ago now, I saw you playing Merlin in uh, Sleep. You saw me playing Merlin when I was being kind of nice. Yes, that's right. So occasionally you do other things, but it's mostly dame and villain. Yeah, but you notice with Merlin... Merlin had the had the gravity. You could have told that Merlin could have turned at any moment. Right. There, there, there was the thing about Merlin was he was very pleasant in a kind of a vulnerable kind of way, but you wouldn't want to upset him. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. He was not, shall we say? You know, there, there, there were certainly hints to Merlin that if you pissed him off things would not go your way. Right. <laughs> um, which was great fun to play, of course. Yeah. 
And the lovely thing about Merlin, because um, he saw it at Lannington, presumably. Yes. Um, was the fact that there was a big speech I did. A massive speech. And it wasn't in the script. wasn't there. And the, the producer and the technical director said, OK, Michael, speech. And I went, about what? He said, bollocks, if I know, three and a half minutes, time to see change. <laughs> and I went, is that all I've got? And they went, yeah. And I went, OK. That's what we do. I said, are you going to tell me when I get to the right point? So we did it a couple of times in the technical and I, I had a guy waving at me and I wrote a basic speech out and then they waved at me and then by the time we got to the dress rehearsal I realised when the wave was going to happen but I had inset lines inserted so if the scene change didn't work or if they got stuck I could insert lines in. Right. So the speech was variable depending on how the scene change went. And what was it about? Oh, bollocks. <laughs> it's absolute nonsense. I, I feel Morgana's tentacles encroaching around the palace. Her magic grows right. even stronger. Yes. Soon, soon, soon. If I am not careful, if I do not stop it, she will destroy us all. It was all that kind of crap. <laughs> I, I remember sure now, yeah. Was, I'm pretty sure it was that. Right. It's absolute rubbish. <laughs> I made it up. As I, I literally made it up on stage in the dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we, it was supposed to be an immediate scene change. It didn't work. Right. They couldn't make it work. So I said, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk a load of gollops then. Now, what was so funny was Harry Dickman used to come on stage because I used to get around for that speech every night. Wow. And Harry went, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> He said, and he's come and said, he said, it's rubbish. I went, of course it's rubbish, Harry. He went, what are you doing then? I said, it's beautifully spoken rubbish. He said, yes. <laughs> he said, it's very alarming how well spoken it is. He said, it does sound like you're auditioning for the RSC. It was my big Shakespearean speech. Right. It was absolute bollocks. Right. And, and I do remember that I would go, soon. Soon the world of darkness will encroach us all. Oh, I feel it, the pentagon, all that nonsense. Yeah. And I just used to make it up. <laughs> and uh, Harry used to find it hysterical. And I'd always get around at the end of it. Nice. And because it was, you know, like, what was it? I don't know. It was a load of crap really mm-hmm. it was the two things I had to make sure was they could do the scene change and the girl was done the costume change right once that once I knew that was done I could wrap it up yeah and so wherever I was in the speech but wait I would always say wherever I was as soon as I I got a hand signal I said but wait wait they are now approaching the evening committees all the dancers are in place for Tonight, celebration! <laughs> <laughs> it was complete shite. It was bad. Harry <laughs> just said it was so funny to watch. He said because you would, you would create this nonsense to you always finish it absolutely, you always got around on it. And yeah. you never finish it at the same place because you always finish it when you've got a hand signal. Yes, yes. So he said you sometimes break off in this sentence. 
But that yes, that was that was because we had there was no filler for that. Yeah. Right. And and it was done to the we decided to do it to the Hedwig scene from Harry Potter. Da 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 da. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. And we just said, we'll put the Hedwig theme underneath it. It'll make it sound fabulous. And it doesn't really matter what I'm saying then, because I think it's meaningful. <laughs> and we'll just talk rubbish <laughs> until the scene change happens. Yeah. All it was was a filling. That's right. what, all it was for. It was just because they couldn't do the scene change in time. Yeah. <laughs> it was terribly funny. And I, got, I did. I used to get around for that every night. Wow. And, and Harry you... used, used to come up and listen and go, what the fuck are you doing? And I went, no idea. <laughs> so you you write and direct pantos as well, right? And you have you basically been doing that for the same amount of time you've been doing them? Uh, no. I started writing them. Hang on, when did I start writing them? When I started working for Mark, so... I was doing other people's pantos, but what started to happen was I would write bits in. For example, I would do pantos and then I would write bits in because it didn't work or I couldn't work, I couldn't make it make sense or the dialogue was dreadful or whatever. And I would just go, do you mind if I write my bit? Right. And then I'd write other people's bits and then I'd write other people's other people's bits. And then there was one show, I think, when I wrote nearly a third of it and I was only chorus. <laughs> and um, then we did I did two shows for a company at, uh, Barry and Harrogate and I sort of rewrote that very slightly Yeah, I mean there was a very good writer that wrote it and he had told me what his inspiration was and so I stuck to that you see what I used to do was I would not I would not destroy what somebody else had done. I would simply look at what they've done and go, but we can do this better. Okay. If you see what I mean. I do. So he'd, he'd written this whole run of cutlet stuff from Robert Browning's A Pipe Piper of Hamlet. And I went, oh, this is very good. I like this. Let's zoop this up a bit and turn it into Richard Third. <laughs> so... We kept the line couplets, and but I making that into Richard III, and mm-hmm. and so the the, the the his line couplets were infinitely more camp than anybody else's, you know. Yeah. And um, I, I rewrote the whole King Rat and a few other people's things. And Terry um, came to see it and went, "Oh God, I wish I thought of that. That was really funny." This is Dick Whittington, right? This was Dick Whittington, and yeah. and then. Um, I worked with Mark and I rewrote all my King Rat stuff for Mark because I hated it. And I said, oh, I'm just going to change it, Mark. It's not going to affect you that much. I never used to, what I, I, I initially used to, I would never write other people's lines. So I'd only write my own. So I would make sure that all my lines fitted in the cues and everything. Yes. And then I did it for Charles Vance and I did it for somebody else. And then suddenly I was directing for Mark. And then I just would take a script and go, yeah, well, this is a load of shit, let's start getting the rights again. 
Right. So I just so I did ten play I did ten productions for Mark and I basically rewrote the pandas. Mm-hmm. There was a we had a writer. We had a very good writer, I liked him enormously called Steve. And and I would always only work from his scripts because actually he got a lot of things genuinely right. The only thing that he did was the fact that he wasn't always funny. But his shaping was beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I would always keep to his shaping and keep to his, you know, and I'd say, no, 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 we can change this, we can change that. Why has he done that? That's really weird. Uh, there was a sequence once when he, he, he took a scene out of Ryan Cutlets and put it into prose. And I went, no, we can keep it into Ryan Cutlets. It's funny that way. So mm-hmm. I rewrote the scene Ryan Cutlets. Because Ryan Cutlets are funny if they're done right. Yeah. And we kept it in Ryan Cutlets and, and the rhymes were all ridiculous. You know, mm-hmm. and, all that stuff. And, and, and I just started, so uh, I wrote, I directed 10 shows and that and, wow. and, uh, ended up more or less writing that. Yeah. How important is it, do you think, to keep the panto tradition, song sheet, ghost scene, slop scene, that sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to have all of them in every show every time, but you have to have some of them in all the time. Right. And the villain, and the villain has to enter from the left. Is that right? Yeah. There's a whole routine. The villain enters in from stage uh, left. That's right. Mm-hmm. Villain enters in from stage right, but uh, fairy enters in from stage right. Is that right, or is it the other way around? Anyway, if you're on stage, if you're on, no, if you're facing the audience, the fairy enters in from from the right hand side. The villain enters in from the left hand side. Yeah, right. As as that goes back to what Victorian era melodramas? I think it goes back actually to. Uh, I think it goes back earlier than that. I think it goes back to mystery plays. Mo- wow. A lot okay. of pantomime comes from mystery plays. Right, and there's a Commedia dell'arte element there too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, hugely. Well, it started from Commedia dell'arte, Harlequino and all that stuff, which gradually got eradicated. The whole Italian element of it was eradicated and fundamentally disappeared more or less by the 1890s, and it was just got rid of. Right. No, um, I mean, you see it much, but not very rarely. Um, because that was silent so if you talk about people in Europe about pantomime they assume it's silent yes they, they, um, they, some he, over here have as well you know and it's not it's, it's, it's of course pantomime is not and it's pantomime but, and pantomime yes. and, yes. and they're two different things that's right um, you know which is why quite rightly most people just call it panto and then it's self-explanatory really Right. Um, you know, so, yeah. Uh, it's a very old tradition, and, and traditions are quite, some of them are, you know, a little silly, and some of them we we have started to ignore, you know, it does shift. It shifts, sorry, so we're starting to lose the principle of boring now. Oh, really? Why is that? It, it, to do some female... You know, lady of fifty-two claiming to be Robin Hood in tights. Right. Just you know, unless you get a really good one. I worked with a lady called Nicola Harris a couple of years ago, and she was superb. You know, but she worked absolutely brilliantly. The girl I'm working with this year will be brilliant. But most principal boys don't have it. 
you know, it, it, it's a it's a trick and, and it's gone from a lot of people. You know, whereas you know, stick in any decent pop sound and you more or less get away with it. Right. You know, male pop sound. Right. I worked with I worked with three very good male Aladdins and a very good male Robin Hood. You know. Yes. And there's no doubt that they, in, in, and also they are easier. Now, there's something very odd about Panto, which is fundamentally it's a male environment. I don't know why it's these and women are not happy in it. Hmm. Um, every, every show you do, you will get, you know, the main marion or fairies and they'll sit in their dressing room and they'll know. They don't, they, I don't know, I don't know what it is. It's, in, it's endemic, there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can actually, it's very difficult to pull out and rethread. But they don't enjoy it as much as the boys do. I guess it's because... Um, they don't have as much to do. Right. The villain is always a male, and that's a great part. The dame is the male, that's another great part. Comic yes. is the male, that's another great part. And then, yes. we'll, and then there's everything else. And then there's everything else. I, I think occasionally, if you're lucky, you get a female witch or you get a yeah. female queen of the night or yeah. whoever you get, and they're fantastic. But, but oddly, I've worked with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven villain, female villainesses, and only two of those really enjoyed it. Mm. Because they went, oh, I don't like being hated, you know, and all this stuff, and they get... Or fraud, and you just get up ahead and say, "Get on, I'll get over it." Just make sure you go on stage, and they hate the hell out of you. That's yeah. the point. Yeah. You know, what would you mean? I don't like being booed at. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, that's bizarre. That's the point. You know, when I get play Abenaza, of course I'm going to be booed at. That's the fun of it. Um. So it, it is so strange. I. I, I I somehow feel, and I could be horribly wrong, and I'm always going to be shouted out, but I somehow think the panto is not necessarily a female environment. And I think this has got to do with the fact that theatre, per se, did not exist for women until 1600. Yeah, that's right, until the Restoration. Until the Restoration, and, and therefore there's a whole aspect of it that is simply not female friendly although panto it, as it is now evolved after that though right yeah but it comes from it comes from the dame is entirely a medieval figure right and there's the some dame, suggestion that the 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 nurse in romeo and juliet could have been a dame yes the nurse was a dame that's absolutely true uh, and and this all comes from um uh, mystery plays, yeah. Mrs. Noah, all those parts were played by dames. Right. Um, the only person who was allowed to be female in the mystery plays was the Virgin Mary. Right. All the other women were played by men. Right, got it. So uh, there was this huge tradition in English drama, particularly, I'm not so sure about European, but certainly in English drama where no female, other than the Virgin Mary, was ever seen on stage. Hmm. So, 
everybody was sustained to a degree. You know, yes. Saying, that's sustained with Juliet, for example. Right? Yeah. But, 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 of course, the nurse would have been, and, and that was the thing, that the ex-Juliets, as it were, yeah. became the nurse. Oh, wow. Wow. Didn't know that. Well, of course they did. Yeah. Because they'd done Juliet, they'd done whoever they'd done, they probably weren't that great at playing men, but they were still kept on with the company. So they played Lady Catholic, or they played the nurse, or they played the Duchess, or whatever it was, and, and they played all those older parts. Got it. You see, and they, and they would have been the great age of about 22. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because the voices broke. No. Yeah. So yeah, and unless of course they went for a truly other actor. Right. But but none that I mean that, that lovely thing of Jim Broadbent doing the nurse in 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 um, Shakespeare in Love. But yes, I think that's absolutely right. Hmm. And so this whole concept of the Dane was already endemic within British culture before the Panto started. Right. Right. Got it. So it was already there. Yeah. And so that's why when we get people saying, oh, Danes should be played by women now, people get so hot in the fire about it because it's, it's something that's gone back for over a thousand years. Yeah. So, you know, so, and you go, you know, you know. And also, female Danes, I don't know if you've seen any, uh, they don't work. Hmm, interesting. They really don't work. Why do you think that is? Um, The dialogue is wrong. The dialogue, the only female thing who I think would ever work would have been Phyllis Diller. Yes, got it. Okay. The only one I think would have worked. Possibly Elaine Stritch. Mm hmm. Because you need that woof. And they could have delivered the dialogue that they get without it sounding appalling. Right. But most of the Danish dialogue is appalling. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I'm wandering in, in my show, and go, oh, Lord, you dinner time already, another sausage brick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't give that to a woman. Why? Because it sounds vile. Mm. With a bloke, it sounds, you know, particularly in an outrageous front with a big hat on. Yeah, interesting. It's very odd, you know. It, it, it doesn't work. And if you see a lot of young Avenazes or young villains coming up now, they're all ex-dancers, they're all very physically fabulous, they are vocally inept, and the vocals are boring. Mm. Whereas actually the vocals are what make it funny. The, right. the, the lines are hysterical. You know. And so if you get the right lines, you get the laughs. And it's yeah. true of how you, how you place them. You know, the whole thing is the fact that fundamentally Avenal is Richard the third on acid. <laughs> That's right. Um, I also wanted to ask you, Michael... Um, how do you, where do you stand on creating a new panto? What I mean by that is, 
instead of the traditional fairy tales that we all know, you know, like the Beauty and the Beast, for example, or Cinderella's, and that's, is there room, do you think, to create something new, like a, a new fairy tale or a new story? I don't see why not. I don't, I, I mean, as long as people are prepared to allow us to do the old ones. What do you I mean by no that? Re- I, well, as long as they're to say, uh, yes, let's do the Jacks and all that stuff. If they also want to do the others, I can't see a problem with that. Oh, you- the, problem, the problem only results is when people say, no, we're fed up with the Aladdin, we're only going to do the new ones. Right. So you, you think a, a healthy mix of the old traditional and, and, and new works? Yes. I think that would be an excellent idea. I can't see what would be wrong with that at all. Why would it? Right. Because, it, again, one feeds the other. But what you don't want to do is to kill off one to feed the other. Right. No, and, and um, there's no reason. Certain theatres will do one kind. Alternative theatres will be much more interested in doing the new ones. Yes. I mean, if you've got a, a town that's got a big theatre and it's doing Jack and the Beanstalk and you've got another theatre, it doesn't want to be doing Jack and the Beanstalk. Correct, yeah. So if it's doing Dracula, the disco, Panto, for example... Yeah. Uh, as long as it's done well, and as long as it understands what it's doing, as long as it gets what it's doing right, yeah. the problem you have is when it starts bending the rules so far that it stops doing a panto. Right. Okay. So you, you see what I mean? Yeah, so you've got so, to keep the what we were talking about with the song sheet and all those you know slop scenes. And, you've got to and, keep elements of that. Okay. For example, they, they did a panto around the corner and they had a female dame. It didn't work. Mm. You know, a female dame does not work. You need a male dame. And also, you, you need to get... There's also the thing of putting things in the right place. Not just having them there, but in the right position. Yes. Ghost Gag always goes in that too. Song sheet always goes in that too. You do not put a song sheet in that one. Right. You know, if you yeah. get that shape right, it, you can be talking about, I don't know, Shrek or whatever. Mm-hmm. As long as those things are in the right place, the panto will work. Mm-hmm. Oddly, I have no idea why. And um, the, the other, another thing I want to ask you, I came across, I was looking at um, some theatres that were doing panto, and I came across one that was just... At Easter. Oh and yeah, they do. They do all the year-round pantos now. Oh, they do. Yeah, that's very odd, isn't it? They must take out all their Christmas references. It's kind of an. Uh, well, you do like it, of course you do. Yeah. Yes, I, I've done summer pantos. We used to do summer pantos for holiday times. Wow. I mean, would the the so you would do the same stories like the, the Cinderella yeah, and the, the, the same stories, the same. You just take out the Christmas references. Yeah. Wow. And is that essentially what is very similar to summer season, right? Not necessarily. Okay. So, for example, if I do a holiday camp, yeah. which I haven't done for a while, they will do a panto in the afternoon and then a magic show, some kind of show at night. Oh, wow, okay. And um, we, would, we would do both shows and then move on to the next holiday camp. Summer season, when we're in a permanent venue, almost certainly it would not be a summer panto. They would do... 
a variety show with whoever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever it's going to be. Yeah. Almost certainly Anita Harris, probably. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Uh, you know, and they would, they would straight their way through that show and then that would be it. And yeah. so... So do the pantos year-round work then? Do they still bring in? Because the idea, you know, my understanding is the idea of doing a panto at Christmas, you bring all the bums on seats, theatre makes a whole bunch of money, and that sort of lasts, and the actors last. Yeah, the actors but the and... theatres do pantos at Christmas will not do panto for us the year round. Right, okay. So, so the Go pantos of the year round are usually in holiday camps. I see, I see. Summer pantos and invariably butlins, Mm-hmm. Haven, whatever, couple of theatres will do some of pantos. And a couple of theatres, usually the end of pier pantos, the pier at Blackpool, the pier at Chroma, will do Easter pantos. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, they, they do that, but that's it, really. Mm. And that's for two weeks. Nice. I know I have a friend of mine who does, he, he plays Dane in the Blackpool Pantos for Easter and Summer. Wow. And then he comes and does Bang Hard Up for the big panto, you know. Yeah, yeah. They're usually not as grand. They're not as big. They're not as grand. They're not as expensive. They're not as large. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't have the star power. Right. So in an Easter panto or in a Summer panto, you're not liable to see Vince Hill or whoever it is. Got it. You know, some, some star from 42,000 years previously was now about to <laughs> um, I actually did a panto with a man called Edmund Hockridge, who was a great star of the 50s. And this is 1977. And I swear that he used to climb his coffin at the end of the <laughs> He was so old. It was wow. quite embarrassing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that seems that's 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 odd, really. You have all this to look forward to when you formulated in Chicago. Right. I'm I waiting mean, to, I'm waiting to be summoned in Dane with my my crucial outfits and my. <laughs> I'm not sure if you could afford you, Michael. I don't think you could actually, um, and. Uh, I'd probably get sent back again for saying something rude and unmentionable. <laughs> Could you tell me a little bit more about year-round pantomimes and summer seasons, please? So, for example, if I do a holiday camp, yeah. which I haven't done for a while, they will do a panto in the afternoon and then a magic show, some kind of show at night. Oh, wow, okay. And we would, we would do both shows and then move on to the next holiday camp. Summer season, when we're in a permanent venue, almost certainly it would not be a summer panto. They would do a variety show with whoever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever it's going to be. Yeah. Almost certainly Anita Harris, probably. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Uh, you it's... know, and they would, they would straight their way through that show and then that would be it. And yeah. so... So do the pantos year-round work then? Do they still bring in... Because the idea, you know, my understanding is the idea of doing a panto at Christmas, you bring all the bums on seats, theatre makes a whole bunch of money, and that sort of lasts, and the actors last... Yeah, the actors but the and... theatres do pantos at Christmas will not do panto for us year-round. Right. 
Okay. So, so the contest is the SBA run are usually in holiday camps. I see. I Summer Panthers and invariably Butlins, mm-hmm. Haven, whatever, couple of theatres would be Summer Panthers. And a couple of theatres usually the end of Pier Panthers, the Pier at Blackpool, the Pier at Chroma, will do Easter Panthers. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, they, they do that, but that's it, really. Mm. And that's for two weeks. I know I have a friend of mine that does. He he plays Dane in the Blackpool Panthers for Eastern Summer. Wow. And then he comes and does Bang Hard Up for the Big Panthers, you know. Yeah, yeah. They're usually not as grand. They're not as big. They're not as grand. They're not as expensive. They're not as large. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't have the star power. Right. So in an Easter Panther or in a Summer Panther, you're not liable to see Vince Hill or whoever it is. Got it. You know, some, some star from 42,000 years previously was now about to die. <laughs> um, I actually did a Panther with a man called Edmund Hockridge, who was a great star of the 50s. And this is 1977. And I swear that he used to climb his coffin at the end of the <laughs> He was so old. It was quite embarrassing. Wow. No. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that seems that's 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 odd, really. If you have all this to look forward to when you formulate it in Chicago, right? I'm waiting to. I'm waiting to be summoned in Dane with my, my crucial outfits and my <laughs> I'm not sure if you could afford you, Michael. I don't think you could, actually. <laughs> um, and uh, I'd probably get sent back again for saying something rude and unmentionable. <laughs> well, you've got, to get a, you've got to get through the flight first. Ah, yeah, well, President Trump wouldn't let me, would he? <laughs> but there we go. So there you are. Well, yeah. anyway... Michael, that's, it's been an utter delight talking to you. Well, it's always a delight talking to you, Jason. Thank you. So we shall see you at some point, or hear from you at some point. Right. Yeah, we can do this again. We can talk again. Um, we can talk again. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out when I'm next coming over. Um, it's, it could very well be sooner rather than later. All right, my... so shall I book a spot in 2042? Ha! No, sooner than that, dear boy. Um, really? Yeah, um, Melissa is being, last year she was taken on a cruise with her grandmother. Oh, right. It was all paid for. And Melissa Gosh. was like, well, it's once in a lifetime opportunity. So I'd like, oh, well, okay. She went, well, why don't you go to the UK? And that's how I came to go to the England by myself. And I was like, fine. And then this year she going, I've got another once in a lifetime opportunity. Twice in a lifetime. How many once in a lifetime opportunities do you just get? Right. So her grandmother's pretty much all but paid for it. Um, oh, lovely grandma. We like her. Yes. This is, this, this is next year. So then it leaves me to potentially come again on and my what own. What about children? Um, well, we wouldn't go at the same time. When she goes on the cruise, I'd be looking after the children. And then ah. when I'm in England, she'd be off looking after the children. So you're not going to put them in the deep freeze? <laughs> no, no, sadly, no.
No. Okay. Um, I was doing I was doing a masterclass the other day, and I was actually teaching. I was thinking of you because we were teaching with some like streams. Ah. Okay. And I was doing the whole. I was doing the bottom stream sequence. Yes. And I did think of you. Uh, did I ever tell you just quickly before I wrap this up? Did I ever tell you that when we first started doing that show, and you were, you know, you and I were working together, and I was, and you were sort of giving me some direction and all this sort of stuff. I was thinking, my goodness, you know, we've got two directors here. And then I, as I, as we went on, I realised I was getting a masterclass from you. Did I ever tell you that? No. <laughs> yeah, I thought, holy shit, this guy is so experienced. Uh, I'm getting a masterclass, so I'm just going to shut my mouth and learn. And that's... That's very kind. Yeah, I probably said more than I should have. <laughs> it's just, she's she's probably. just so dreadful, and she didn't understand comedy. Exactly. Right, right, or, or anything. But Or anything. Yeah, and that's when I, was, I thought to myself, I didn't say anything, but I thought... I, I'm just going to listen to this guy over here and I'm not going to listen to you. No offence. The only thing I really regret about that show was I wasn't allowed to do it in the original accent I wanted to do it in. Which was what? Do you remember I was, I was originally going to do it Northern? Oh, okay. Which, which, which character? Because you had like a thousand characters, didn't you? Uh, well, when, uh, it's Peter Quince. Oh, yes. I wanted to do Peter Quince Northern because I said it's much funnier Northern. And Ujima uh, Flip, whatever her name was, wanted me to do it West Country. Hmm. And I said, well, I will, but you won't get nearly the same amount of laughs on it. That's probably because the guy who did it before you did West Country. That's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. Because she just, went, she said, just restaged it. She restaged it, and I said, but it's not as funny. Hmm. And, and I, it, it was, it's one line. It's, it's simply one paragraph. Because um, if you do it northern, it goes. Um, we to rehearse it tonight outside the city walls. We do not wish to be observed. In West Country, it's not as funny. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely lie. Yeah. You just it outside, outside. We do not wish to be observed. Yeah. In, in northern, it just works beautifully. Yeah. And, and, and in West Country, I could not make it fit the rhythms. It doesn't fit the rhythms. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting. And I, I tend to agree with Barry Ratter that the original country sound uh, was much more northern in that time. Yeah. Because it fits the rhythms perfectly. Yeah. Um, and, and you get huge comedic value out of it. Right. Whereas in West Country, it's much harder to be funny. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that is. It just doesn't work. Interesting. Yeah, and I could have, and you've said it before, and I was thinking about this the other day, that I could have swore there were two characters where you, you, you crossed yourself. And obviously that's impossible. You know, one, you, were, you left as one character, came back on, on as another, but, and you did... I, you, know exactly, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And I almost did. Yeah, and it was it was just bizarre how there there were there were two of you, but there couldn't have been. No, I know I know exactly where it was, and it was when I came off as Philistrate and came on back as 
and it was literally off and straight back on again. Yeah, yeah. And we literally just ripped the costume off. And then you, but you also looked at yourself, I think. Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. And it was just, a, it was just an, an illusion. Yeah. A very, very good one. Yes, <laughs> I remember <laughs> that one. <laughs> and do you remember those terrible girls? Oh, yeah. The ones who thought being playing male meant pulling up, scratching your crotch. Yes, yes. Oh, awful. And I just went, oh, no, 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 please don't. Just don't. Just right. Stop it. Oh, and I always remember you saying, you know, you know, they were talking about not bonding and you said, well, we bonded at the pub and you wouldn't come. I did. <laughs> I said, why don't you come and drink with You don't have to drink alcohol. Just come and talk. Yeah. That's all you have to do. Yeah. It's not to do with drinking. It's to do with being a good... You know, I, I am still... Um, if anybody says, let's do bonding exercises in a rehearsal, I actually go puce. <laughs> I really do. I can't bear it. Um, people will bond naturally. Don't force them. Yeah. And if they can't bond, they shouldn't be in the play. Right. And I, I'll remember, I did a show um, for Impact and uh, we were waiting for everybody to arrive and the one actor came in, Ian, and... It was seconds. And he, lo- he looked at me and he went, well, that's us bonded then. And I was like, well, yeah, that was that. It was just, it, it was one of those things, it was instant. That, that's exactly what it needs. That's all it needs. Yeah. You don't need these ridiculous exercises. It's absolutely nonsense. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's, I, I, I did a routine with my lo- the lovely Joe Sandline, who was playing with O'Tanty last year. And it's always a bit tricky when you do this commercial pandas because the rehearsals are too short. They're much too short. Yeah. And they're tight. And he's doing this, and you're doing that, and he's doing this, and you're doing that. And quite often in the first week, you don't need. Um, anyway, we had this one scene together, but, but it was the only scene we had together. And for some reason, the director kept missing it out. And we got to the day before the producers run, and I went, we haven't done the scene. And he went, oh, God, it's no end. <laughs> so we did it. And I said, I just want to put this extra bit in. And he went, okay. And I said, right. And I said, it goes like this. He said, um... I, I can't remember what the preview was. It was about my, my husband. Do uh, 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 you know my brother? Um, I come from my brother, you know. Uh, uh, your brother, yes, my brother. And I said, maybe this bag of gold will convince you. And I used to produce this gold. And the line said, oh, that's nice. And I went, oh, that's terribly weak. And so I said, right, let's do it. Maybe this bag of gold will present it. Gold, gold, really, yes. And so we used to go, go, really, yes. And it took us about half an hour for us to get that right. Because we went, God, really? No, no. I say really, you say gold. Okay? No, you say gold, I say it. Okay. Oh, we had to take about 20 minutes before we finally got it right. And it was two lines. <laughs> and it's go, go, really, yes. And it's a lovely trick. Because yeah. it's just really fast. And right. he said, oh, and, he, and I remember him disappearing off into the distance in the guest rehearsal going, I never remember this. 
<laughs> and it's a simple line, isn't it? Yeah. But it's funny. Maybe it's bad gold for Vinci. Gold, gold, really, yes. <laughs> and it just gives you that extra comedic flick to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, uh, uh, and Joe and I got on really well eventually, but, but it was just, we never saw each other in rehearsal. Yeah. And we used to sit at opposite ends of the deck. We had a dressing room with 13 of us in it. Wow. And so we used, to, we used to sit at opposite ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had two rather camp dancers in the middle. There was me and uh, three of us at one side, three of us at the other end, and these strange dancers in the middle, uh, uh, boy dancers, and they were very, very OTT. And, and, of course, very young. They were all about 18, 19. Mm-hmm. And tend to be a bit extravagant. We used to quietly sort of tell them to be quiet <laughs> on one occasion. Yeah. But they were very sweet, really. But anyway. So, yes, I'm off to Worthing in four weeks' time. Four weeks. Okay. Yeah. Sunny Worthing. Well, it won't be. No. It never is. I, 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 used to, I used to go around there when I was a teenager. I used to go to Worthing. Well, yes. You were in Angmering, weren't you? Yeah, that's right. My cousin is in Angmering. Oh. West Angmering Lane. Oh. Not your cousin who used to work for Impact. That's another cousin. Ah. Yeah, the cousin who used to work for Impact uh, now is a teacher at Bridlington High School. Oh, wow. And turned up at Bridlington. Uh, well, that was very bizarre. Not only did he turn up with Bridlington with 42 of his relatives, which is slightly worrying, oh. but it turned out that the drummer in our show was his, um, not only the drummer, but the drummer and half the dancers. He was their, what's the word, parochial officer? Oh. What, what, I don't know, whatever it is that children have now. You oh. know, the, the, the guiding person that, not the teacher but the one who kind of checked up anyway he was yeah. and they went and he went up to them and they went sir do you have a mad uncle <laughs> and he went why he said is he insane and has fire coming from his hands he went oh you know my uncle Michael <laughs> and they went yes and he went yes he's very insane <laughs> Has he said anybody alike yet? And he went, no. And he went, oh, it's early days. <laughs> <laughs> I loved him for that. So, of course, they came up to me and they went, um, Mr. Abenazza? And I went, yes. Are you going to set any of us alight? And I went, oh, it's early days. And they all kind of kept away from me from the rest of the performance. They were very sweet children, actually. They were no trouble at all. They were delightful. I had no problems with them. But they were very funny. I used to walk on stage, you know, and I'd go, and I'd go, good afternoon. And they would go, ah. And I'd look at children and I would stare down and I went, have you behaved today? And they went, yes. And I went, oh, good. Well, that's easy. It can burn you alive, doesn't it? <laughs> Move off. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I, I probably will get into deep trouble for that in years to come, I've no doubt. Probably. Well, anyway, I shall let you get on. Thank you, Michael. You're very welcome. I shall open my, my box and see what I've got. Yes, do. I'm, let me know. I'm hoping I've got a, a grey and white dance dress. Okay. Nurse's outfit. So you're and you're you're Dame in Babes in the Wood for Shrivenham. I'm Babes in, in I'm Dame in Babes in the Wood here, and then I'm going Emperor in Worthing. Got it. So because they haven't got another Dame apparently. So you uh, go from you're going for you're doing Babes first. That closes. No, no, no. Doing... I'll rehearse Babes first, then I'll rehearse Emperor, then I'll play Days. Because <coughs> Babes will be January the tenth. Got it. Wow. So I, I do Aladdin in the middle, basically. What? You're doing Aladdin? Yeah, because um, so they're doing babes. This lot are doing babes. They, yeah. they, they rehearse it for God knows how long. So I set this up. Then I go off and rehearse Aladdin in Worthing. Oh, right, play yes. Emperor, play Emperor of Baghdad. And uh, do Aladdin until January 2nd. Come back. Take babes back up on January 3rd. We rehearse it until January the tenth, and then we perform it. Got it. Wow. Yeah. Tense. Yeah. So it's all going to be a bit scary because they will have forgotten everything, no doubt. And I'll shout, probably. <laughs> I'll try not to. I didn't shout at all in the money I was going to do. Congratulations. Yeah, I was doing that. I've I, I got better. I care less. I can't work out with. <laughs> anyway. I should speak to you too. Yes, Michael. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. No, sure. Okay. All right. Bye. Thanks. Bye. This is the end of this interview. If you'd like to hear more interviews, please check out our website, comedyqna.com. That's the word comedy, the letter Q, the letter N, the letter A, dot com. Thanks very much for listening. (laughs) 